0: Okay, let's um, let's start with Mother's opening prayer. Oh heavenly Father.
1: Oh heavenly Father.
0: Divine, Father. Divine Mother. Divine Mother. Beloved Jesus Christ. Beloved, Beloved
2: Jesus, Jesus Christ.
0: Christ. Blessed, Blessed Master. Blessed Master. Dearest Mother. Dearest Mother. Mother. Beloved David. Beloved David. Saints and sages of all religions. Saints,
2: Saints and sages of all religions.
0: religions. I bow to all of you. I bow
2: to all of you.
0: Free my life from all obstacles.
2: Free my life from all obstacles.
0: And give me physical, mental, and spiritual development.
2: And give me physical, mental, and
3: spiritual development.
0: Make my mind thy temple.
2: Make my mind thy temple.
0: Make my heart thy altar.
2: Make my heart thy altar. Make
0: my love thy home.
2: Make, make my, my love thy home.
0: Be thou the only king. Be thou the only king. Reigning on the throne of my consciousness. Reigning,
1: Reigning on
0: the throne of my consciousness. Peace.
3: Peace.
4: Peace.
0: Amen. 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 This is that uh, I was supposed to play on Sunday, but it kind of got short. So this is Barbara Mother's Daughter singing about her mother and the divine aspect of mother. You know, mother talked a lot about the Christ and had a very Christian message. And um I was thinking today about this wonderful video that we had of this pre- this Catholic priest who was a monk, a Trappist monk, and, and he kind of came in out of the monastery and became a more universal type person, although he's still a still a priest. And um so let me just play you at the beginning some of his thoughts and show you this uh, universal side of the Christian world. Holy grown with some some effect with the, the Eastern religions in his lifetime. He was born in 1923 and was teaching uh, outside the monastery in the maybe 60s or so and responding to some of the easter meditations but he responded really well and became more universal in his, in his um, own teachings and i'll just play a few minutes of this movie someone once wrote that you can never see god because god is not an object God is a
5: subject. Can you comment on that? (laughs) You can't see God because when you are God, there's nothing to see. You're not God in an absolute sense, but you're so much God in every possible way that humans can be participants in the divine nature. Grace is a participation in the divine nature. So It's not just something added on like an overcoat. It's it's a radical transformation of the whole of human nature so that it can be a divine human being, meaning it can exercise freedom, compassion, love. The only requirement really is to be born and to consent, to let God... uh, be in us insofar as he has given us this gift. This is a gift that has been given. There's no place to go to get it. There is no place you can go to avoid it. It just is, it's part of our very existence. And so the purpose of all the great religions is to bring us into this relationship with reality that is so intimate that no word can possibly describe it.
0: special, isn't it, to hear that universal idea, idea.
2: What is the name of the movie again, Larry? I am oh, yeah. totally
0: oh, taken. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The name of the movie is called Thomas Keating, A Rising Tide of Silence. He says that God, um, silence is God's way of speaking. That's his language. <laughs> and the more time we spend in it, the clearer he speaks. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Uh-huh. Wow. All the Eastern masters would definitely relate to that.
2: Um, I'm just going I am so taken by those words that he yeah, spoke. I've got to find that one.
0: I know it's spectacular. It truly is. We were when Kate and I first heard this. We, um, he was still living at that time, and we made plans actually to go and visit. I called and in Colorado, where he was living at the time was Colorado. He ended up dying in Massachusetts. I'm aware. Uh, it was a short time after we made the call, and we were going to drive out to Colorado and see him just to have his darshan because But he was 95 or so and getting and, uh, unable to see the public. So many people wanted to see him. But um, this was truly a great, this was a saint. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to determine whether he is fully realized or not. This is a man who truly knew God. He has tremendous experiences that he explains about in this movie. Uh, he one time walked out and um all the this either a tree or a bunch of trees started uh, the leaves started flapping and he thought what's well, god clapping when he sees me <laughs> he says later on oh, that he
2: you know that David David said that once we were sitting uh, out on the deck at the cottage mm-hmm. and david That uh, the wind was fluttering the leaves, and he said he started clapping. So that's where he got it from. (laughs) Or maybe Thomas Keating got it from David.
0: I don't know. I think David may have listened to it. Well, watch this. I'm pretty sure he did, didn't he, Kate? Yeah. Mm. That's really wonderful.
6: And where is the? Where can you watch
3: it?
0: It's on, uh, well, you can buy it on Prime. Uh, I got it on, I purchased it on YouTube. I think it's pretty cheap. It's 10 bucks or something. When you think we spend 20 bucks to go to a movie theater, it's kind of nice to have it. I, we've been, we've watched it probably between five and 10 times over the years because we're very familiar with it we was section. talking
4: about it in the car to, to Zach and Peony, and he came home and put it on. And we sat and watched it this afternoon. <laughs> so uh, it, uh, it's still engaging. We haven't seen it for a few years, but it's still very, very engaging.
2: Thank you.
0: Thomas Keating. So we're talking about Mother, of course, and um, she would have just loved this. I think she would have just loved this, what he said there. Full full understanding. But um, so I thought I'd read today though um, from Mother's uh, grave site. Uh, You know when during after a funeral when when you go out to the grave site, I usually read this every year, and um, it's very short and it has a few quotes from the Bible, which I've now identified. You have to help me through the Lord's Prayer. For some reason, I have trouble getting through the whole thing. So the first thing is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, please oh, our just Father. Pray, play, pray with me rather than responding. So, Our Father,
6: You art in
0: heaven, who art in heaven Garden, which, which art in heaven?
3: Garden,
0: Garden, Garden. Hallowed, Hallowed be thy name. Thy, name. thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy, thy will, will be,
2: be done. done.
0: In earth earth, and as in heaven,
2: heaven.
0: give us this day our our
4: daily bread
0: and And forgive forgive us our trespasses. trespasses We forgive and lead us not into
2: trespass against us.
0: us. 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 And lead us not into temptation,
2: but deliver
4: us us
0: from evil. Amen. Mother always um, said that it's uh, which art in heaven rather than who and it's in, um, uh, in, uh, in, in in earth as it is in heaven she felt that was significant and then the first three readings I am the resurrection and the life saith the Lord he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And from Luke, Jesus called unto him and said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And from Isaiah, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom. Lord, whose Most dear Son did take little children into his arms and bless them. Give us grace, we beseech thee, to entrust the soul of this great uh, God, woman, and guru to thy never-failing care and love, and bring us all to thy heavenly kingdom through our Lord, the universal Christ. May Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost bless you and keep you now and forevermore. Amen. And Kate uh, picked out some beautiful quotes of mothers uh, over, from over the years, 60s, 71, 81, and 77. It's very, really beautiful. Life, death, and our eternal spirit. And Kate uh, made this into a document. You can ask her for it or send it, uh, to request it to me, and I'll send, to, send you a copy of it in uh, PDF format. Um, so the first one is, God is life. There is no such thing as death. We know that death itself is only a little deeper sleep. It is as though when the body is worn out and God calls, us to, calls the soul to come and rest with him, that you lay aside the body as you would lay aside your garment at night when you go to sleep. And in the morning you awaken to a new life, a new dawn, and you put on a new garment in God. This is the way we feel about the life which is eternal, because God is ever-conscious, ever-new, ever-existing bliss. He is all of life, and therefore, God, that spirit, which resides in this temple, which we call the body, never dies. He is life eternal. <clears throat> it would be a terrible thing if we were to contemplate that we had only one life, one chance to go, to get to heaven, to find our oneness with God. But we know in truth that we have many chances, and that all life is like a school, and that we go from one grade to another, constantly learning, constantly perfecting ourselves, Until we find ourselves lifted up in everlasting bliss in the arms of God. And then 1971. The body itself will disappear, but the spirit, the indwelling spirit will never die. You would do a disservice to any form, to any soul when you hang on to that one. Reach out for God. Let them go. Your personal attachment to your sorrow. Let them go. Break the hold of the form. That must be done before you get the final realization of your oneness with God. All form must go, because you are going into the formless spirit, which is God himself. And then from 1981, what is there to fear? Have the courage to stand up and be yourself. Have the courage to make the decisions that you know you must make in your life, because God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you always. Walk with the Christ inside of yourself your little human self until finally through your supreme effort and your supreme love and longing for him, you become that you will not have to come back on this wheel of birth and death, except if you choose to do so. I was told once that I had chosen that. And there are times when I think I must've been crazy really, but like master, I will ply my boat back and forth between the shores of infinity and earth until the last one is absorbed in him again. No matter how long it takes, such is my surrender, such is my dedication to God. And then from 1977, in one of his writings, Master talked about the unfinished symphony. He said that no master ever has an opportunity to finish everything that he came to give, because each one, if they be a true master, comes with the sole purpose of uplifting mankind, not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of God in every single creature on the earth. Yet human nature being what it is, the individuals don't always want to go as fast as the master would like to take them. So they have to come back again and again. So there's always an unfinished symphony. Mother was such an an unusual life. And then you look at all the great masters and you have to say that about each great master and each person. Something unusual, something unknown. So much is hidden from us while we live on this earth. And all is revealed, or so much more is revealed when we leave this this, uh, plane and move into uh, the higher planes. We clearly, we don't have the same judgment in the astral plane that we do here. Here we've developed developed a way of thinking to get us through. This is a difficult planet with a difficult plane to live in. And it takes a great deal of focus and takes a great deal of energy to do the best, to be the highest. And so we are less than perfect in our understanding of what's going on here. The many lifetimes that each life before us, each person before us represents. So we know a lot about Mother's life. We know about her childhood. How it was difficult. How she had no siblings. She had a father who drank excessively and caused trouble. She had parents who... Worried about her and didn't want to lose her in any way. But she must have had some control over them or hold on them. Because they visited Seattle on a vacation, must have been in 1919 or so. Oh, sorry. uh, Is that right? Did they move out in 1920? I forget now. She said she was 16 when they moved out. So, yeah. So in 1920 or so, they moved out here. Now, that's interesting, too, because Master was first coming to America in that same year. And uh, But she prevailed on them. She said she loved Seattle so much, and she knew that this is where she wanted to live. And um, they moved out, and uh, five years later, she met Master. She met her husband, and on the block, the very block she was living on. We've been down there a few times with different people to show them where Mother was living with her parents and and uh, where her husband was living. <clears throat> he uh, first commented about Mother. I think it was Barbara who told us the story, that they met on the corner there, right between the, the two um, streets that they lived on. And either in Mother's hearing or someone else heard, uh, that her that uh, Charles her husband to be I commented a mother saying some dish <laughs> very much a reflection of the time. she was very beautiful. We know that she married this man even though. It was uh, after having met Master. We know a little bit more about this now, or people who have been reading Mother's stuff, Kate and and, uh, Rebecca know a lot more details than what Mother talks about in their talks from some journals and other things that that are written. And um, so um, Charles had a very bad accident and lost the use of both arms. And, uh, you know, he was a lineman for the electric company. Now, those guys are the highest trained people, and uh, and they have to be physically very fit. So he went from this, you know, I think he was 20 to 21, probably 25 or so. Uh, let's see, mother was 20, so, yeah, so 20. He may have been a couple years older. I saw him once in West Seattle after I knew mother, so I knew who he was when he he drove up in his car. He could control his cars with his car with his feet. He could open the door. They had special contraptions that allowed the door to open. He got out, went into the bank, and he I didn't see him in the bank so much, but I saw him pull out something with his teeth from his front left pocket to get ready for the bank. I didn't introduce myself. I was actually in the parking lot driving by and so. The mother was um, after you know she divorced him. It was, they had a you know very difficult time. Three children. She had to you know, give birth to them all, and she had to cook and clean and and uh, and she had to go to work. And it was Master who helped her through that. She stayed faithful through all that. But, in later years after her after they got divorced, she was still close with him and saw and and loved his his new wife he got remarried and of course she knew Mother knew what she had you know taken on, so she was grateful for that, but she was also very sweet with them and there was they even met with uh, the families met at different birthdays and things like that in her later years she would like to, love, she kind of um, realized how much Charles meant to her, and uh, she could see the good times, the good things. You know, it's very strange, as I said earlier, about being in, when we leave this life. We have a different appreciation for the physical plane, where we're not so um, judge, uh, judgmental. This happens with realization, and it happens with aging and separation in time. Mother worked her way up in the telephone company. Met Ralph, her second husband. All the time in communication with the master. And then I guess it was 49 when mother was a, made a center leader. I thought it was earlier than that. But there's evidence now that he was 1949-ish. And um, then she was ordained in 1950. And given... The title Yovishaya, in 1951. She was so surprised that Master said that. Later, we read in the um, in the East West Magazine, Self Realization Magazine, whatever it was called at that time, and uh, in which the permission for using the title was was uh, officially recorded by with mother and Quaron um Jose Quaron I think uh the one of the yogisharis down in Mexico and um there's a listing in the books also of the six or seven people who were given that title There's evidence that yogish I mean that um, Dr. Lewis had was given that title or had the
3: right to that title
0: Mother started her ministry, and as a center leader, and Herwin became a disciple of hers, you know, recognizing her as a guru. Somewhere in the early 50s, after Master's passing, Mother always thought of him or saw him as her first disciple. Herwin Lutz. She had tussles with the organization after pa- Rajasi's passing. Rajasi asked her to do a tour to um, visit all the SRF centers or several of the SRF centers. Things were falling, kind of falling apart and he was worried about what was going on at the centers after Master's passing. And so uh, mother and father were going around uh, planning a vacation. So he asked them to do uh, you know, work for the organization. And uh, she loved that she was and she was she talked about it being it was a difficult time for the, for s r f as always happens as one one would expect and She came back and saw Rajasi and he wanted to do her to get more involved in the organization, and many of the people there were against it, but he was failing in health, and uh, but he said when she came back, "Please come see me tomorrow." And we'll talk about this because Mother said they had to go back to Seattle. They had kind of run out of their own money. And he wanted to, to, you know, have her stay and to do whatever was necessary to do that, according to the way Mother tells the story. And so she came back the next day, and his health was failing so much at that time that he couldn't even lift his head. And so she was unable to meet with him, and they went back to Seattle. And then Rajasi, of course, passed shortly after that. A big shock to the system. No group, you know no setup for anybody to take over, explicitly take you know, set up. And um so the organization who were in the board of directors uh made decisions um to bring Daya to the fore and make her the um, uh president, CEO, whatever it was, of the uh, organization. And um, Mother had tussles with them after that, bad blood kind of. and She was kind of known as the bad girl, as Mother said. Then, um, of course, in the intervening years before he's passing, she had met Swami Ramdas on his world tour, and she was so... So moved and greatly affected by him. So, after all this and her own uh, spiritual experiences she was going through, you know, during that trip with Furajasi, her trip to see the SRF centers, she experienced eight days in Nirvikalpa Samadhi. So, far as we know from what Mother tells us, she didn't have uh, any experience directly or clearly with Savakalpa Samadhi. You may have. I we we recognize this it can happen to people and not and not really fully understand great you know times of ecstasy and bliss. But anyway, she had she was um, raised up to Nervikoppa Samadhi for eight days, and during that time, God told her, "I will come to meet you face to face." And when Papa was there in giving one of his talks, he said something that Mother realized. And it struck her like a thunderbolt that this was the fruition, this was the proof of the claim by by God that He would come, and that it was in this form, this sweet form of Papa, that God had come to meet her face to face. And she and tears poured from her eyes. So that all happened before SRF. Uh, sorry, before Rajashe passed and before SRF. Uh, and her mother had started having differences of opinion. So she decided because of those problems and her own spiritual experiences, meeting someone and the organization more being a, not a help at all, she decided she would like to spend time with a, a saint in more detail. She's re- somewhat retired, or she became retired. She was 52, you know, so she... They basically both quit their jobs and, and went to India. And, um, you know, uh, she was, she told it both ways. She, many times she said that she was, when she's talking about her trouble with the organization, she talks about, you know, she went there to get help with this from, from Papa. What could she do? And she needed a great master's help, she felt. And, but then she was also going through so much herself that she realized that God had brought her for that reason also, because she thought, I suspect, that her own realization was underway. She had a great guru, and that that part was taken care of and that would have its its own way forward. But when she got there, Papa says, with regard to the organization, forget about it. Don't worry about it. Leave it alone. And Mother... You know, because of what he put her through, she proved uh, that uh, proved to her that those that was good advice. But of course, certainly, since he didn't give her advice and didn't promise her any help with the thing, while she was there, she realized, well, this is the time for me to go within, to spend daily time with him. These are tremendous opportunities mother had. So for about three and a half months, She got there October 14th, 1957. And then on February 24th, 1958, Papa pushed her, gave her by great force of spiritual power. She was ready for the the experience to begin, the experience she'd asked him for, to help her get through. Uh, Well, here's the way she did it. She kept saying to Papa that she... She'd achieved such many great experiences. And didn't she have it? Wasn't she? Uh, didn't she have it all? Didn't she have a realization? And was that what she had experienced? Was that sufficient? And Papa, uh, as uh, Swamiji said, Swami Satsatananda said, that, um, you know, he wouldn't answer the question. And... um So, you know, the Gospel of Swami Ramdas basically ends after Mother starts into her experiences. It really does. And if there's one single person that is talked about in the Gospel more, it would be only Swamiji or Madhiji who are mentioned in the Gospel more than Mother. The latter part of the book is page after page of time Mother spent with Papa and Madhiji and Swamiji taking notes. One time, mother took notes herself because Papa was so amazing to her. So she and she passed over the notes to Swamiji for his own journal, which eventually became the Gospel of Swami Ramdas. And then I see this time before as preparation for and and stabilization. So mother talks about in you know around Christmas time being um, having what did she say there was a word she used but she was feeling unstable un but nervous she wasn't feeling right about it so they thought she and father decided they would go for a travel a little bit around uh, India and Papa was against it at first and finally then later said all right, we'll go to um, Ramanashram Ashram in Turuvan over in Tamil Nadu. And so they traveled there. They traveled to um, Aurobindo's Ashram. They went to San Tom Basilica where St. Thomas uh, was um, was killed. And um, hang on, let to see if I can... Uh, figure out who's making the noise. Oh, there we are. So uh, she came back and um, not much mention of what she was going through when she came back. And um, then in February 24th, uh, in father's notes, he mentions that mother has started this into this experience. She was very difficult to deal with. She was having all kinds of mental strain and duress. Swami Satchidananda talked about this in the interview that I did with him in 1996. They called in even, and this lasted for months. And um, so we interviewed um, Kunyambu, and who was her uh, room boy and Lingapa. Who was the person who you know brought food to her and uh, served her also? And um, Lingopa was always called upon. She was—he was the one person Mother trusted. And this is from him himself. Lingopa said that she only wanted him to come and to help her uh, at different times. And so, and she was you know very paranoid. She had a lot of paranoia about people poisoning her, maybe trying to kill her. But she had this faith in both Lingapa and Kunyambu, who was a young boy. And um, so they had to go through seeing all this stressful, distressful time. And they even brought in a psychiatrist from Mangalore. And he came down and visited. Now, in my mind, you know, mother always said she didn't think that um, psychiatrists were qualified to deal with spiritual experiences and that it was a good thing that she was in India. So she uh, was very grateful that Papa, though they did, you know, Papa's a practical person, so maybe we should bring a psychiatrist in. But, you know, he wasn't going to let anything happen to her, and certainly no drugs were going to be administered to her. If that's, if that's Now this is a thing, isn't it? Papa, people at the ashram, you know, they were not told anything. Swamiji confirmed this. He, they were not in, kept up to date on what was going on with papa's views on what mother was going through this is mother had more conversations about this with papa but papa didn't talk about other people very much and certainly not for mother but the fact that he was letting her stay there at the ashram even though she was causing a lot of loud yells and noise and, and problems for the ashram many people there and we interviewed them thought mother was you know went home and You know, maybe not so much good riddance, but not, nothing great happened. She, you know, clearly had a great fall or something bad happened here, here. And, you know, it's good that she went home and that's about all they knew. And then, of course, years later, mother was, you know, came in 68. She visited the ashram. Then they could see that she'd come through it in a very healthy fashion, very strong. Mother confessed to, uh, in a talk or two that, When she went in 68, back to the ashram, she was really, she had trepidations about going there. What would happen this time? This is a dangerous place. And many people have had uh, really difficult times there. So, it's a very powerful place. Mother continued though in 58, you know, after she went home herlin visited and helped her get on the plane and everything and that took care of her but we have his evidence and that you know, mother was sometimes hot on uh papa and sometimes cold saying that he was the devil and not to go and so here's herlin like wanting to spend time in at the bajan hall with papa and mother, mother saying you know bad things about him and that continued for you know a few years and so in 1960 we have tapes from her talks where you could tell she's completely through the, all of the uh any of the doubts that she had and papa lived for three more years so she had and she wrote to him and she kept in correspondence with him so she got through it but so much was not known we were i was surprised how little was known uh, about you know from papa's point of view one thing that we did, uh, that I did uh, in the interview with Swamiji, one time uh, Mother grabbed hold of Papa's feet, and Papa was about to fall, and tripped. Now Papa was in his late seventies, and had, his body was badly abused, and he wasn't health in good health at all. And um, so Swamiji reached and picked Mother up to pull him away, pull her away, and. Um, so it's a stressful time. So then, I so right at that time, I asked Vamiji, "What was father? What was Papa doing? Was he was he upset? Did he show any alarm?" And he says, "Papa was smiling." And David and I considered that to be a tremendous, important revelation of Papa's state of mind. Combined with the fact that nothing was told, that Papa never revealed anything. Perhaps to Mataji, but not to Swamiji. I think Swamiji knew that he was corresponding with Mother. He must have known that. But also Mother said that he was saintly himself in that he never had any judgment that the other devotees, you know, the inmates so-called and the people who lived at the ashram, he was without judgment. He was only there to help. She just loved him so dearly. Because she knew him to be this great, great soul, this great saint. And talked about him that way for the rest of her life. She let she must have known we were all going to be deeply, deeply affected by him. And that we would benefit from knowing him. And knowing that from her point of view, he was definitely safe. He was a great, great soul. So when we first all went there, yeah, he was so loving to us.
3: It was a tremendous time.
0: So 68 mother had a great and grand time there at the ashram. She wrote about in uh two some uh, that time when God comes to visit. She explains in three uh, three articles in the Vision magazine at that time what it was like to first meet Papa God comes to visit. So he he went to their house, you know. They, in fact they were hoping that he would stay at their house, but <clears throat> instead they stayed at a hotel. In the university district. But um, so he did visit there. I think. uh, Well he definitely once. Of course we know that. And maybe twice. But I can't confirm that. And um, so. In 68. Of course mother attains realization. Sometime between 70 and 74. Attains full realization. A state that from which you cannot fall, sahaja samadhi, all of those terms. that We pretend like we know all about it because we hear these terms from the great masters. Aren't we, though, grateful to Master for Yogananda's great book, Autobiography, where he explains these great things that are known in India, and they're hard to explain correctly. And so he gives us an example of his first sahaja samadhi, or savakapa samadhi experience. And he talks about Nirvikalpa samadhi. He explains so many of these things so beautifully. And in the Christian world, in the meditation, these samadhi experiences they call call the Catholic world and the monasteries and seminaries, they're taught as contemplation. It's first concentration, which is practice of preparing the mind for meditation. Meditation, and the final result is contemplation, where God contemplates you, as much as you contemplate God. And it's described as a state that takes no effort. It's, it's, it's a state that you're drawn into and you don't have to put out any effort to, to stay in and to enjoy. So, you know, many of the, the Catholic saints have these kinds of experiences. And their mother starts her great, great ministry. From that higher state. And with giving full credit to Master and to Papa for what she'd attained. And the rest is history for sure for all all of us. I remember Barbara Lutz talking about... um, those years that she first met Mother in the early 60s, saying, you know, Mother in those days was going through these great experiences and revelations and telling us about it at the time. So in later years, when we got a chance to listen to those talks, we could see what she was talking about, that it was, the, it was basically the formation and the formulation of ways of explaining her experiences to us, because so much of what she said in the 60s she continued to explain in a similar way, or almost identical ways, uh, in her later state of att- higher attainment. Little funny things, like her first revelation about um, the thieves on the cross, was that it was the tonsils. Because she was clear, even from the early 50s, that the movement of the seed, because she could feel this, you know, the kundalini moving, and the movement of the seed down into the lower spine, into the lower chakra and coming up the spine. All of those experiences were going through. But so, and as she came into the Golgotha, which is the hill of the skull, that means that the uh, in the final uh, uh, crucifixion and the most difficult and the most subtle, though the physical experience is often talked about at the heart center, it is difficult and it's physically painful and you hear a lot about that. The most difficult one is the... Uh, is the sixth center going through the sixth center because it's so subtle? The ego learns to be a chameleon and to play the role of God in your higher understandings. You've lost your intuition. John the Baptist's head has been chopped off. You've established you're established in this, this direct connection with the with the with the Christ in his resurrected form. From the other crucifixions, but you haven't done the final ascension, and so that that occurs at the sixth center, and there is a it's a crucifixion-like experience, very difficult, and mostly people who go through it, from what I understand, and certainly the experience Mother talks about, and then that I viewed of David, is that you lose touch with them. They are, they are beyond the beyond. Meher Baba called it the state that you get to after this, the third center, the third uh, divine center, the sixth center. That, that he called that, uh, there's another state there, he even talk about going into the eighth chakra above the head, the bindi, all those kinds of terminologies, which I don't know much about. But there is a state beyond the beyond that Meher Baba calls it. Mother called it going over the top. And that's a state that Master also talked about, being you, from which you cannot fall. Swami to explained it to us because David asked him if he detained that state. And he said, no, because Papa explained it, that it was a state. Took When you abstain it, the uh, higher uh, states take no effort. There's no effort required. And he said, I still have to exert effort. And we knew he was highly realized. But that was in this, you know, Papa's teachings were really at the very highest uh, point in teaching about the most difficult things to understand and to experience and to explain. And so Papa had learned to, to teach it in this way. And so Swamiji had a very high bar erected in his own mind that he had to attain. And of course, David felt he'd attained that before he left the body. <clears throat> They're so these people are so high that we couldn't tell the difference because they affect you
3: so deeply and so greatly.
0: Then nineteen eighty one mother decides to go to the South Seas with Freddie and Kathy. Freddie was a some kind of royal lineage. And so they went to his um, tribe, basically, his, uh, in the Cook Islands. They visited there. They went to, I think they went to Fiji, didn't they? Anyway, they went to um, New Zealand and to Australia. The mother was physically just a wreck when she came back. And I think they came back early because she was in such uh, dire straits. And she came back and stayed with uh, with uh, David and Lorraine in Seattle. And Lorraine took care of her. And her knees were badly damaged, so she had to recover. She first came back, we didn't know that she'd returned for months, several months anyway. Keith and Sue knew, a few others knew, but um, the regular people did not. Now, when Mother left in 81, David was made a lay minister. And Keith was ordained. And, um, and so Keith was the second person ordained by Mother. And um, David started his giving talks. And um, Mother came back. She stayed with David and Lorraine for quite a while before going back to her apartment and slowly things she got shingles she had a heart attack she had stroke a really bad stroke in late january of 83 and um that put her into ardens um nursing home in seattle north seattle And later she went to a place down on 155th, I'm sorry, no, she went to the, uh, a nursing home that my dad was at. I'm trying to remember the name of It, it was Arden, I'm certain. Anyway, Kate can probably remember. But um, And she really was in um, a state that she was not aware of where she was. And she was even said to us when we visited her one time, this was early days. Now, within a few weeks, she was better situated. And then within a few months, she was able to know where she was. She was still in the in the nursing home for quite a while. Seems like, you know, three to four months. I guess the, the talk record, uh, Rebecca would be able to look up and see when, her, when she gave her first talk. But I'm pretty sure it's uh, after summer before she started giving talks again. She only gave a few talks in 1983. And then she slowly, you know, able to get the use of her left arm, left hand back. She could play the piano. And she had, because of the stroke, her face was um, badly distorted. She still felt very strongly that she had a mission. Had a, you know, she had to fulfill her role as a minister to Master. And I think it was because, of, for David's sake, she stayed in the body to take some of that time. If she had passed away earlier, though, she'd given so much to him and ordained him in 1984, made him a yogasharya. Does someone know? Later 80s. She, you know, stayed in that body because she could see in David that he had what it took. But he's 30 years old when he was ordained. And so for Catholic priests being 25 or 6 there, ordained at that age, doesn't sound much. But for, you know, taking on all of Mother's work. Many disciples, so there wasn't a great number of ministerial services that he had to do. But the karmic load was there, and David had tried on the karmic load when he had dinner with Mother one time and asked God to give him some portion of it. And he got, he said, it came over him, and Mother was more chipper as it came onto his shoulders and his consciousness what load she was carrying. And so she didn't want that to be given to him too abruptly. And so it was slowly transferred over to him. And yet he too had to go through the dark night of the soul. Not because of the, what the weight of the, the work that mother had, this, this great charge that was given to her by her master. That's the true weight. Megachurches and great numbers of devotees and disciples are one measure. They are definitely. It takes a great master to really hold that together. But a, um, a latent charge, a latency, the latency of a charge, can um, is, resides in the person he, it's given to, and it comes into fruition at the time that is decided by God. And so David took this on, and he was—he had a number of years of great disorientation,
3: very difficult time. And mother helping the whole
0: time from the other side. So that's. That's where we are. David left way too soon. We had a wonderful time out at the gravesite. Talking about the fact that, you know, Mother was cremated, so her ashes are there underneath the headstone. I've never known for sure if Father Hamilton was cremated or not. I believe he was. Maybe believe I heard that he was. But I don't know for sure. And Zach had this crazy wonderful idea. That maybe a tree could be planted near mother 's gravestone, and what would be required because you know david is um, his headstone is right next to a um, cherry tree there it 's doing, and that tree 's doing very well, and so he wondered if we could plant a tree near mother, so he 's going to investigate <clears throat> what 's required you know what um, perhaps the family mother's family would have to give permission. We talked about perhaps getting some of Mother's ashes. If we ever have a a temple or a a church of some kind of permanent kind, as we're planning here, then um, uh, perhaps we could get the family to allow us to have some of the ashes, not all by any means, but just a small portion. We have some of David's ashes and we have some of Papa's ashes. So it would be a nice thing to do. Catholics always had relics, you know, when you have a, to, um, to, uh, what's it called, to consecrate an altar, you must have, um, relics of a saint. Actually, they, they have portable ones too, but the most altars that are, are you know, any sizable church, they're actually embedded in the altar piece. And when the altar, when the church is decent, uh, deconsecrated, that's the, all the relics have to be removed. So, when they went, when you do portable altars, the priests have relics uh, of some sort, bones or something, small amounts, um, sutured into a cloth, an altar cloth, and they carry that with them. So, and Papa's ashes are on display at the ashram. What do these things mean? What do they mean, indeed? But there's great power in what these, Ashes represent to our minds, and there's great power within them. And all of the ancients knew of this. So we muddle along with our materialist dominated scientific ways of thinking of things. And God reveals things to people at different times. And I have faith that we'll understand some of these things in these teachings as we go along. Do you know we had Carla here uh, a while ago? So she had come once when we had her uh, chance, uh, as we were purchasing the house, we had a inspection done and we talked her into coming over to see the place. And so she showed up. First time we'd seen her in quite some time. And then we invited her over for tea, uh, just a couple weeks ago. And then, and she had a little list of things she wanted to talk about with Crossing Notice how books are going and right now David's books are being put in Kindle. So that was one of our requests is that uh, the Kindle, you know, we have books of Mother, David's uh, Mother, Memories of Mother, David's first book, uh, My Spiritual India and uh, Mother's two books, Mystical Crucifixion and Sitting at the Feet of Ramdas. Those are all on Kindle and available. And many people uh, love that in fact, you know, it's easier to get things that way in international. And some people have asked for them for David's books also. So, um, but anyway, she had a list of things to talk about. One of them is she looked over at me and she says, and how is Mother's biography coming, Larry? So it's it's on my mind.
6: You've written the
0: outline tonight. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> You've got to start. <laughs> yes, and I, I've written before about it in the 2004 era, too. I wrote about, I think, seven or eight uh, articles that I'll look at, too, again. And that's been put into a form. David was going to publish those at one time, and we kind of just never talked about it again after that. So, uh,
2: well, David was a big fan of Kindle,
0: yeah, he was. You're right.
2: So, I think it's great that they're on Kindle,
0: yeah, it's the new way. You know, I think printed books, when that came out, the idea—all books before were hand copied. And I'm sure that some people felt that the printing press was a horrible thing to do, but in reality, it's—it it's, it revolutionized the world. It had a, had an effect on every single field of endeavor, of thought, so and actions. You know, printing things for education, everything, just. Just amazing. And that's gone, by the way, just in the last 20 years. Just bang. Kindle came out and all of a sudden, two years later, 50% of the books were being published that were actually being purchased were being on on digital form within two years. (coughs) Well, it's 8.30, so if you have any um, thoughts, I'd I'd welcome them today about Mother.
3: I have a question, Larry. When did
6: Ralph
5: come back from India?
0: Well, he came back in 58 with Mother, and they flew back. And whereas they took boats going there, they took ships going there, they, they flew back. And then he didn't go with Mother in 68.
3: i didn't I didn't say it at the graveside today,
6: but it uh keeps resonating with me. I remember the first time David mentioned Mother to me and um by name and we mm-hmm. were at the house for we were at the house in Lake Forest Park for a party mm-hmm. and there was this little picture of this woman in the in the window by the the sink in the kitchen
0: no oh, interesting.
6: And I said, who is that? And David said, Oh, that's Mother Hamilton. And I at the time assumed that that must be his wife's uh, mother or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. But the, but the moment and the picture are still just etched
0: in my mind. Yeah. The power of her name, Mother Hamilton. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And
6: it was before I kind of even knew that he had. I knew he was part of a spiritual group. I didn't know he had a guru or anything, mm-hmm. but I can mm-hmm. still see that picture sitting in that.
3: Mm-hmm. In
6: that. So the the power of mothers, Shakti. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So what year was that?
6: I was. It must have been eighty nine mm-hmm. or ninety.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, as you say that, uh, what I remember uh, comes to my mind so clearly was uh, calling Mother and hearing her answering machine. And, you know, because she would uh, often be not there, or sometimes she just would listen to a talk, listen to people who were calling and decide then to pick it up. She never picked it up for me. No, that's not true. But sometimes we, so my first time I called her, I remember hearing that recorded message, though. This is Mother Hamilton. And I don't remember the rest. Maybe Kate does. But you I remember have this is my
4: automatic answering machine. Um I I Please leave an a answering message. Answering machine or anyways you talked about and I didn't know anybody who had one. That was she was the first person I'd ever mm-hmm. across who had one. And uh and then she talked about leaving a message and she would get back to you.
0: It was it was great service for her because it really made sure she didn't miss people that she would otherwise have missed. And that was important to her, but it also allowed her to review, to listen, to decide, you know, if it was a salesman, all those kinds of things was really helpful to her. I think she'd like Kindles just, just fine.
7: You know, the, uh, what Gil said about seeing mother's picture and that's, how i was introduced kind of formally i'll say but i was over at somebody's house and they had a picture of her on their um fireplace mantle i said who said it looks like somebody's mother because you know just the (laughs) way she was and he said yeah she's yours and i'm like "Ah, okay
0: (laughs) is that right that's the first you heard of her yeah was that was that your cousin or john's cousin
7: yeah, John's whatever, uncle or so, something. Yeah, yeah
0: Don, Don oh Yeah, yep. mm, just, yep.
7: Yeah. but that was so funny. Yep, that's your mother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, I mean, he that's a flippant thing to say, perhaps, because he saw the universal side, but he didn't know that you had also become a, a disciple of mothers, probably, did he? So, of course not.
7: No, and it's kind of weird because of the way he was, that he was the one to introduce me, but it worked. So
0: yeah, yeah. 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 He was fun. <laughs>
7: <It's> strange anyway.
2: <laughs> I'll just say a quick little something. You reminded me of going to visit Christine Bald Valdegara. Mm. And uh I remember seeing seeing little pictures of mother all over her house. In the cupboard with the dishes.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He was a big fan.
2: Yeah. And I said, you know, it's interesting. You know, you you love Mother so much you never met her. And she said something to the effect that, well, no one met Jesus either, you know. (laughs) 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 Mm, That's true. Mm. I really appreciate everything you said tonight, Larry. I learned so much that I'd never heard before. I never, never, never tire of learning about Mother.
0: Yeah, it's such a treat. There's so much still to dig into. So,
2: you know, Larry, I just
4: did a quick little search on on uh, OneNote, and there isn't a year that went by that Mother didn't give talks. '83 was there was the fewest, but she mm-hmm. has she has six talks on in 1983. But every single year, she by 1984, she's she's back quite a bit. So.
0: Didn't um, she give a talk in 91 also, right? Can you look in and see? 91, it? I think there's. Rebecca would know.
4: One, <laughs> but it's not really. No, it, it's uh. No, I I don't.
0: No, maybe not because that, that was no, uh yeah that's true yeah. She was yeah.
4: she was officially retired by now. Retired, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. 1990. She,
4: she, there she, were only three, and it's mostly David talk.
0: I, So we took her out for our anniversary in '91, just you know, a few weeks before she passed. So she was still active up until that point. She was and at then, Chris,
4: she was at New Year's service on in in '91. In 1990, yeah. Right. 90, yes. Right. <laughs> but we stayed till after midnight, so it was '91. <laughs> ah, true. <Yeah. laughs> um, and hmm. she was there.
6: Just to clarify, she was there till midnight?
0: Yeah, I'm sure she she was.
6: was?
0: I I bet she she was, yeah.
6: I mean, just think about that.
0: That's a good question, though. We might um, have some proof of it, but, uh, you know, in those days... Well, even now we don't record all the things that we do on New Year's Eve, you know. We just we record maybe some portion of it. Yeah.
4: She may have gone home early. I can't remember. I don't know about everybody else, but she seemed to have taken a lot of my my memory of those times is very vague. Mm-hmm. It was like we were living in a kind of an alternate universe at that point. It, it was like we were under a, in a mist or a clouds or something. And I, I have almost no memory of of times at church during that time and uh, yeah. the whole years like that just seemed to. I, I have very little memory of. And I think we were just all weighted down by.
0: What was going on? Well, we were busy in our own lives, you know, just raising kids and all that kind of stuff, yes, but too. You know, that, but there was
4: the barely ourselves you. together, I think. It's mm-hmm. just... Um, it was...
0: But we have clarity on our own lives and, and that business. But you're right. I, I feel, as you're saying, that the whole uh, world of mother was put into another category after her in the late 80s there. So...
7: Well, that time, the late 80s, um, when she had her stroke and stuff and I would go and help, you know, just kind of sit with her while either Barbara or whoever she was staying with, you know, I'd brush her hair and stuff. I mean, that to mm-hmm. me, I know it sounds kind of weird, but that was a very special time. to I me.
0: bet. That's good to hear. I didn't know you did that. That's great. Yeah.
7: And yeah. I, you know, because normally in, I was not part of the in-group, right? <laughs> and so that one. I, like you are now. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yep, I'm right in there. But, uh, you know, I just... We think you are. Oh, thank you. Um, having that time with Mother where it was just me and her, and and she wasn't able to talk a lot of the times, but
0: mm-hmm.
7: that didn't matter. I could still understand, you know, what she wanted and just being there. Yeah, and so,
2: mm-hmm.
7: yeah, that was good. Well, and, and now that
4: you say that, we, we had t- uh, times when... On Wednesday nights would she come to service, and then we would take her home, and then I would take care of her to get her ready for bed. And so those times are very much in my mind. But Mm. about all the
7: time at church and all the rest, I I have very little memories of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was so powerful. I mean, you just sit there, and and even when she was sick, I mean, your hair just was going back from the spiritual energy, not literally, but,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm.
7: still, it just, that energy was still there. Very
0: strong. Mm
7: -hmm. Yeah.
0: She was so sweet. You know, we really enjoyed going out to Denny's with her and having hot food Sundays. You know, so we make a joke about it, but that's, those are strong memories for us because we, because of the, just the sweetness of being with her and and the fun, you know, and the things we talk about, they didn't have to be spiritual. Yeah. Her, Her memory was quite good, you know, during those years. So, Yeah. Interesting personality to be with. So, yeah, you're right. And then the spiritual undercurrent really um, has a role there, too. Very nice. We had a wonderful day today.
4: And a wonderful way to end it with some of the people that weren't able to be there and to be here with you. Yeah,
0: them. no, we really, this is important too. You're right, it's so nice to have this time. Yes, Kate was wondering whether we're going to do a talk tonight, but it seemed more important to do it tonight than other nights because we need to keep what she's given us in its proper perspective to recognize what she was and what a power she still has in the world. Kate had a dream of her last night.
7: <laughs> what was it? Can you share?
0: Am I, am I putting you on the spot, Kate? You shared it with Zach and Peony, though. So well, I can I feel- only
4: share it in one aspect. Um, I can't entirely share it. Um, so I've been mailing back some of the letters that people wrote to mother Um
0: Forty years ago. I'm trying to
4: find some of the people, but um, that that's just a context of some of it. But I I dreamt that mother was staying in a house that was not worthy of her. It was not uh, she. Somebody was taking had her, you know, was being host to her, and uh, and she didn't have a very good room and all these things. And I was trying to take care of her, but I was very Kind of clumsy and inadequate so i'd maybe spill on her a little bit or i'd um just just wasn't i was so nervous and i felt so inadequate and this other person who was one of the people i've been trying to find to send the letters back to was there and she was very of an intimate and casual mother and almost to the point of kind of, you know, lounging around with her and, and just being very casual. And I was being very, as you say, just very particular in trying to help her and then not doing a very good job. And so for me, she was up here on this pedestal and, and I was kind of amazed that this other person was very casual and social. So, hmm. Anyways, then I stepped out of the dream. My mind said, Oh, that's the person I've been trying to find <laughs> to send the letters back to, and here she is right here in the room. <laughs> and so that I, I anyways, that was just the by the by. But it, it kind of took me back to the time when I was first with mother, and I was so awestricken around her that I never felt like I was um that I could just kind of be uh a friend, like close and uh, you know, and and um, social, because to me she was always up here and I was I was down here, and so the time she gave me, like like Charmy talking about combing her hair later in life, and the time she gave me where I was able to be closer to her and serve her, it was very special. But in the dream, it was uh, it was the other way around again. But I thought the one good thing about having that. Feeling of awe and and knowing that she was your that she was your guru and she was someone very very special is that we you don't take her for granted yeah and that yeah that she wasn't just somebody you could be casual with (laughs) she was. Yes. Anyways,
0: <laughs> that was my dream. Nice. I always ask people to write their dreams down when they, and it's a spiritual dream like that. It's so important. It doesn't matter anything about the oddities of what we're used to with dreams. Sometimes you have perfectly clear ones, but sometimes you don't. But there's a contact made. So. Mm-hmm. All right, let's say our closing prayer. O oh, Heavenly Father.
4: Heavenly Father.
0: Divine Mother.
4: Divine
0: Mother I feel the wonder and the beauty.
4: I
2: feel the wonder and
0: of thy glorious presence. Of thy glorious presence. In every part of my being. In every part of my being. My heart is bursting with my love for thee. My
2: heart is bursting with my love for thee.
0: I kneel in adoration at Thy feet.
2: I kneel in adoration at Thy feet.
0: And surrender myself to Thee. And surrender myself to Thee. I feel the power of Thy perfection
4: I, power of perfection. I feel the
0: power of perfection. Surging in every cell of my body. Surging in every cell of my body. My mind and my intelligence.
2: My mind and my, and my intelligence
0: are radiant with thy healing light.
2: Are radiant with thy healing light.
0: My soul is filled with the ecstasy and bliss.
2: My soul is filled with the ecstasy and bliss
0: of my communion with thee.
2: Of my communion with
0: thee. I and my father are one.
2: I and my father are one.
0: Blessed Spirit, I am He.
2: Blessed Spirit, I am He.
1: Oh
3: How are you How Are you